0: This podcast is brought to you by AD Banker & Company. They help you meet your insurance continuing education deadline in ways not as boring as you'd think. Go to a live in-person class or choose a webinar, which will come to you. Learn more at adbanker.com. Steve Kineski is the principal of Kineski Associates in Rossville, California. Steve is a highly sought-after speaker, and his financial acumen and presentation style have garnered him invitations to address audiences across the country, and he has been interviewed by and featured in multiple financial publications. He has personally conducted hundreds of financial education workshops and presented to well over 10,000 medical professionals in the United States and abroad. Steve is currently in his third consecutive term as Chairman of Advisory to the Board of Directors with New York Life Insurance Company, a lifetime member and top-of-the-table member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, a member agent of the Nautilus Group, which is an exclusive planning service for the top performing agents of New York Life. He's also a representative with New York Life Securities and a part of the New York Life Chairman's Council. Behind this financial expert and business guru lies a devoted family man, history buff, and gardening enthusiast. Steve resides in Loomis, California. Please welcome to our program, Steve Kaneski. Well, I'd like to welcome uh, Steve Kineski, uh of New York Life uh, to our program. Welcome, Steve.
1: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, Steve, uh, excited to have you on the program. I've been looking forward to this for, for some weeks now. Uh, tell uh, our listeners a little more about what you do out there in the Sacramento area.
1: We're very fortunate to serve a wonderful clientele of uh, high-end you know, medical professionals, you know, from doctors all the way through staff. Uh, trying to help them identify what are their goals. You know, is it saving for retirement, uh, funding their kids' educations, protecting their family, you know, making sure that they have a global, you know, approach to their entire, you know, financial wellness. So we're very blessed to have had uh, the opportunity to work with some with some wonderful people.
0: I know you've been there uh, quite a number of years and built quite a substantial uh, book of business. Uh, How many clients do you serve? How many policyholders?
1: About twenty five hundred, and that ranges, you know, from college funds, you know, all all the way through term insurances to permanent products uh, that we again try to help them with the. Global approach to make sure that everything is coordinated and integrated for greatest efficiency, uh, so we do have uh, some depth uh, to to the clientele you know that's been garnered over twenty eight years
0: yeah, that's interesting uh, I want to just kind of go back to your beginnings uh Did you grow up in Northern California nearby where you you live right now?
1: Actually, I was an Air Force brat uh, born in Yuma, Arizona. Um uh, moved from Yuma uh to Japan, uh then on to uh the south. Uh my dad was stationed at Columbus, Mississippi and Selma, Alabama, and you know, ultimately retired at Mather Air Force Base, uh just outside of Sacramento. Uh he identified Elk Grove, California as a potential retirement site because it was very much like the hometown that he grew up in. an interesting side story. Uh, That my dad had a class of 17, and three of them decided to retire in Elk Grove from Sydney, Montana to Elk Grove, California, because it's that small town, you know, feel, uh, you know, very much like Sydney was.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's it's a little better climate uh, probably in the winter as well, I would imagine.
1: And I think that had something to do with the migration. Uh, none of the three knew that they were coming to El California, and by chance, uh, met up with each other and realized that, uh, you know, a sixth of the class had actually relocated, and I think the weather had a large part to do with it.
0: You know, it's, uh, did you, uh, have a lot of siblings? Uh, what, uh, your, your mother and, uh, the uh, other siblings, other siblings that, uh, travel around from city to city, moved moved, uh, with you?
1: So I have a younger sister, uh, who is my partner. We have a second location in Sacramento. So you could call it a family business. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you're moving every two or three years. Uh, that does, you know, pose challenges. You know, you don't develop the deep friendships, you know, that some do that, you know, grow up in a town for their entire lives. But it does teach you the skill of creating new friendships, you know, uh, more easily maybe than some. Uh, that, you know, you look for those commonalities, uh, people that you can enjoy being with. Uh, and that has I think benefited me and uh, that I work with clients that I enjoy being with uh, that we've you know struck real friendships
0: yeah you know it's uh so if you move from city to city or town to town, and uh what was one of the struggles uh of uh of uh encountering a brand new class of kids uh, each time you would move
1: I think the the biggest realization because it was normal you know through you know grade school. It's when we did move to Elk Grove and I started seventh grade and I realized that there were kids that had known each other since kindergarten and I didn't know anybody, you know, for that long. Uh, and, uh, you realize that they had some advantages, uh, that, you know, that those roots ran deep, yeah. uh, that I had to work a little harder, you know, uh, developing, you know, those deep friendships
0: yeah well, tell us our uh, listeners a little bit about a fond memory you have about growing up and traveling around uh, with your parents uh, before you settled uh, there in California.
1: Really, the travel gives you a greater understanding you know of the world, uh, greater curiosity uh, that uh, I grew up in towns that had good past histories and challenging histories, uh, so I kind of developed a a Love of history, uh, the study of where, you know, I had been and where I was going, uh, that, you know, I, I enjoyed the travel and enjoy the travel today. And, you know, am fortunate to be able to take my kids, you know, many, many places. Uh, you know, they've been to many places now, more places now than I had been at the, at that same point. Uh, but I really felt like I had an advantage that I had some, greater understanding, you know, of the country and maybe even of the world.
0: Yeah. And where, uh, where did you go to school uh, in college? Uh, did you have some college experience?
1: Did. I went to Arizona State, uh, went on to get my master's uh, at the American College. I think, you know, that's a professional college out in Bryn Mawr. Mm-hmm. Uh, have enjoyed, you know, all those experiences. Uh, would strongly encourage uh, anybody thinking about our career uh, to develop themselves, you know, with uh, designations, uh, advanced degrees, uh, and, of course, advanced licensure. Uh, I think that if you're not continuously developing, uh, you're falling behind.
0: Now, was uh, having a career in insurance or financial services a uh, a career goal of yours early on?
1: That's a, an interesting question. You know, my dad was a pilot in the Air Force and esteemed the work that he did uh had always kind of seen myself flying planes, uh, had some vision issues that probably made that uh, not obtainable. Uh, my dad, after the Air Force, had gone into the insurance industry. Uh, I had seen myself as maybe a stockbroker and did an internship uh, with a now-defunct company by the name of Kidder Peabody, mm-hmm. kind of the Goldman Sachs of their day, mm-hmm. uh, did well, but didn't like the... You know, transactional nature, you know, of the pure securities industry. And I asked my dad, you know, what would you recommend? And he said, I think, you know, you should talk to some of the larger insurance companies. And I said, well, why why would you tell me to do that? I've always envisioned myself, you know, working in the securities industry. And he said, you know, the industry's changing, Uh that, you know, insurance companies are doing securities and banks are doing insurance and, you know, insurance companies. I mean, they're all they're all kind of you know, diversifying what they do. And the insurance companies better understand the relational nature uh, of, of, a, of a good business, you know, uh, way of doing things, uh, that they, you know, in, embrace the lifetime care of a client. It's not that transactional approach of the securities industry. Mm-hmm. And I was very attracted to that. And decided that you know maybe I should uh, follow my dad's advice, yeah. uh, and did so. And yeah. I was very fortunate to walk through the doors of New York Life uh, that had a, a well-established, you know, well-regarded training program. Uh, and with their help, you know, I survived and, uh, and succeeded.
0: So you know, we talk to a lot of very successful people, and obviously, you've had success for a number of years. One thing we, we they don't people don't often think about is that there's there's usually Something that successful people really had to work on or a weakness or a vulnerability. Uh, what was maybe something that you really had to pay attention to in order to, uh, to succeed as you have?
1: I was very blessed to have a very strong managing partner guide me in those early years. He recognized or identified that I thought I could work with a few higher value clients, uh, and really not, uh, uh, apply myself as as completely as I you know now realize, and he realized that I should uh he really focused on making sure that I was out talking to an adequate number of uh you know high end but also just regular people that needed to build their their plans protect their families you know that he was very into systems and process uh establishing kind of that base number of maybe ten or even twenty, you know, appointments, you know, per week as a necessary number. That if you have adequate appointment flow, uh you're able to be patient, uh, let the cases develop and you know, really listen you know to the client, slow down, you know, at the at the level that they need us to, you know, be explaining. Uh and you know, just kind of let things flow and develop as they should. Yeah. Uh today I, I, I credit him uh with basically planting the seed, you know, of my, you know, better systems and processes that I think drive us to greater success.
0: Yeah. You know, have you uh found that being involved in your community, uh in uh philanthropic areas or community areas uh has uh, what role has that played uh in your practice uh as you've built it?
1: believe that we have to give back you know as we've benefited you know from society you know from the you know I don't want to say the luck but you know certainly the opportunities you know that my parents provided you know that the United States has provided you know that uh New York life provided that my great clients you know provide uh that we uh try to actively work uh with them on many of the charitable urges you know that they have uh, we fund the safety net clinics, you know, here in the Sacramento area, along with some of the major medical groups, you know, work with some of my clients to fund mission trips, uh, to com- countries like Nicaragua, you know, uh, the Congo to help people that, that need, you know, the, the expertise that, they, that they can provide. Uh, and that just being in and around very neat people that are trying to do great things. You know, lifts your game. I mean, helps you, you know, really understand, you know, that you're part of a community that you must give back as as you have received. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I know you have. I know you're a very busy man, and you've got uh, an, an organization that you built around you, and uh, you've got hundreds and hundreds of policy holders. But let me. Many of our listeners are possibly not don't have their first policy holder yet. You know, take us back to your very first client, and uh, how did that uh, appointment come to pass, and how did your paths cross with your first client?
1: You know, in this industry, they talk a lot about your natural market, you know, contacting people that you know, that so maybe you can practice, you know, the things that you're learning on a forgiving audience, and I was a little resistant to that because, again, I thought that, you know, I, I could do it more easily than... Uh, maybe the 140 years at the time of New York Life history uh, would have guided and suggested, you know, that they'd done this before and they had kind of a model that I should follow, but I thought I could do it, you know, my way. Uh, after struggling, you know, for many months doing it my way, my managing partner brought me in and said, you know, we're going to have to write a list of all the people that you know, and you're going to have to get out there, and you're going to have to do a little more intense practice than you had been a couple of those names in that list were people that I used to ride bicycles with. You know, I was kind of an aggressive bicycle rider and, you know, trained with a number of, uh, professionals in the area. And I was very fortunate to have a dentist, uh, that I knew very well. You'd be in the bicycle you know, in seat uh, for four and six hours a weekend. Mm-hmm. get to know each other, you know, pretty well. And he accepted an appointment and he and I discussed, you know, what it might take to protect his family and the world of life insurance and disability insurance, and he trusted me to build him a plan that really made the difference, uh, that I could see that this professional wanted and needed this help mm. uh, and that at the end of the process was thankful, uh, and that really kind of got me started uh, working with other professionals. He was very uh, nice to allow uh, me to contact some of his friends and professional acquaintances, uh, and that kind of grew by referral, you know, a foot uh, foothold in the medical industry.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, consider if you would compare the, say, the first year of your being in business and uh compared to the last year of being business, in terms of the business process itself, has there any, been any changes? Uh, what kind of changes are you dealing with in the business today that uh, might not have been present uh, back when you first started out?
1: Things about being in any industry for 28 years is you remember walking into a training room and you're the youngest person in the room. And now, when you walk in, you know, 28 years later, that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you do realize that, you know, things have changed. You know, the use of technology, you know, has dramatically affected, you know, how we, you know, fulfill our roles. Mm -hmm. When I started, Cell phones were barely being used, and today, you know, I use a cell phone, you know, hourly. Uh, tech, you know, computers were slow, and you know, had a green blinking light. Uh, and today, you know, we use computers, you know, as, as a you know necessary resource. You know, I love the technology, of course, when it works. Not so thrilled when it doesn't. Uh, but that we have to be nimble. We have to adapt. You know, that there are new and more advanced client management systems out there to help us better, you know, uh, stay in touch with our clients, uh, provide the services, the, uh, the follow ups that we need to, to be, be using. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, in this industry, you must continue to learn. You must continue to develop.
0: Yeah. You know what, uh, in your view, uh, being out in the field uh, with your uh, your business, uh, what's one of the biggest issues that you think we face in this industry, uh, uh, the industry as a whole, or the industry, uh, uh, in, in your perspective?
1: There are many challenges. Uh, the industry is aging. Uh, that uh, I find myself the average, you know, age, and as I age a year, I guess that's the industry averaging, uh, a year older. Uh, so the industry needs to, you know, find how to reach out and, you know, encourage young people, you know, to the career. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would certainly encourage them to the career. I don't know of many others that, you know, you can serve great people that want to take care of their families. Mm -hmm. You know, there's almost no greater satisfaction, uh, than when somebody looks at you and says, I'm so glad I met you mm-hmm. you know so the demographic challenge is real you know the you know regulatory challenge is real that you know we need you know a higher standard you know code of ethics you know honor system uh and I do believe that's being implemented uh but that we must all you know uh achieve you know that that high high level uh of uh, business practice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you certainly worry about uh, the width and breadth of product today. I mean, it's it's significant. It's, it's a lot to know and learn.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you kind of you touched on it just a little bit there, but uh, maybe you could expand on it. It's, you know, if you're a new producer and you, you're fighting your way through that call reluctance or uh, whatever it is that's uh, making one hesitant to reach out and uh, and reach out to potential clients, when you are able to then sit in front of a client and have a one-on-one, heartfelt conversation with them, what do you find is the primary, deep-seated, consistent concern of a client? Uh,
1: because we do work this, with this more global, more holistic approach, uh, we start with, you know, what are the things that you would like to talk about? Uh, what do you dream about? What do you worry about? You know, and list out, you know, the four or five things that come to mind. And if you ask those series of questions to 50 great people, many times you'll get, you know, similar responses. You know, one is being able to retire at a reasonable age. And, and when I ask people when you think you have to retire, you know, they'll often say 65 or 70. Then when I rephrase the question, when would you like to retire? You know, they really, you know, come down to maybe 60 or 62. And they realize that that's really just a mathematic, you know, equation of what do they need to save, uh, to achieve, you know, the earlier versus the later. You know, they certainly are concerned about funding the children's educations. I mean, that's such a big number today. Uh, They're very concerned about protecting their spouse or partner, you know, from life's potholes you know what if there's a death or a disability or an emergency you know have they you know built a plan that can withstand you know those you know problems that happen to all of us yeah
0: yeah yeah you know, speaking of retirement uh and your dad was in the business uh i i presume he's retired now and uh how's he doing
1: now retired uh now he retired about 2 months ago Without telling me, you know, he told a, a couple of the staff people, you know, uh, in the office, and I had to actually go home and and say, "Hey, Dad, have, have you decided to finally hang it up?" And he said, "Yeah, I thought it was about time," <laughs> you know. And I'm thinking, well, why? You know, there's there's no reason why you cannot continue doing this, you know, because it's something that you've done so well for so long.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You now, is he uh, still live close by to you there in uh, in the Sacramento area?
1: So, when we built our house, uh, we built an annex for my parents, uh, and I'm very blessed to you know be able to see them on a daily basis, I'm very blessed to have uh, my mom uh, and dad help me you know with uh, with the kids. Uh, so uh, uh, they live right right there.
0: Oh, that's cool. And, uh, that's cool. The
1: family compound with the chickens and everything else.
0: Oh, you get chickens, so. Uh... Well, will tell you so uh, you got a little farm there
1: not much- not much of a farm you know we grow some grapes and you know have the chickens and have some dogs and cats and some fish and some turtles yeah. uh so we have a a number of things to keep us busy
0: well, that's wonderful that you've got uh ready access to fresh eggs you bet
1: <laughs> say
0: it's uh uh what's some uh just i want to kind of i know you're busy and you get appointments to go off to uh Uh, But one thing our our listeners would like to hear is what was some advice uh, or maybe example that your mom and dad uh, set for you or told you that uh, you followed in your practice and in hindsight you have looked back and said, you know, doggone, uh, he had it right or she had it right.
1: You know, my mom used to say that, you know, you have to serve others. My dad used to say you can fly with the eagles or walk with the turkeys. Hmm. And I I kind of blended those two thoughts, I think, uh, that I've been able to serve others, uh, but at the same time, uh, be able to, you know, work on a daily basis with wonderful people. And when you work with wonderful people, it, you know, it ups your game, you know, that your own standards are lifted, you know, by people that have those highest standards. Yeah. So my, my parents' advice, you know, rings in my ears, you know, on a daily basis, uh, sometimes whether I want it or not, because they are waiting for me at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's cool. Uh, and for uh, our listeners, I just wanted to remind you that uh, we're visiting today with uh, Steve Kinesky, uh who is a, uh, the principal of Kineski Associates in uh, uh, Roseville, California. Uh, Steve, it's been wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Dennis,
0: uh, it's been fun. Oh, hi, You're still here. Say, if you are interested in reaching thousands of licensed insurance producers across the country, why not consider sponsoring a guest podcast? If you had sponsored this episode, we would be telling thousands of listeners daily about you and your company. Find our contact information to request prices and availability at insuranceradio.com.